Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Matthew 5, 7. Martin Luther King Jr. said, The eye-for-an-eye philosophy, the impulse to defend oneself when attacked, has always been held as the highest measure of American manhood. We are a nation that worships the frontier tradition, and our heroes are those who champion justice through violent retaliation against injustice. It is not simple to adopt the credo that moral force has as much strength and virtue as it is the capacity to return physical blow or that to refrain from hitting back requires more bravery than the automatic reflexes of defense. Benjamin Watson, in his new book, Under Our Skin, a book on race relations in America, says this. We won't change the world around us unless God changes the world within us. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Would you pray with me? Lord, the greatest act, the greatest evidence that we have received the gospel of mercy and grace is how we show mercy and grace to others. Lord, the world is controlled by, run by, through your permission, Satan. His name is Accuser. He stands before you, the almighty judge, and accuses men of their evil. Satan hypocritically loves justice. He needs mercy like we all do. But he loves justice. He points to every one of us, every one of our relationships, every one of our countries, every one of our institutions and says, look at how evil they are. And Lord, who can deny what he says? He calls men sinful and so do you. But the difference between Satan and you, Lord, is that your name 
is grace and mercy. You are steadfast in love and in faithfulness. Lord, you have every single right to take the accusations of the accuser and punish the guilty. You would be good, you would be right in doing so. We have sinned against you, Lord God. Justice is good, but grace is better. And you showed us grace and mercy. You pardoned our sin. God, you, the judge, came down and became the justifier of our sins. Lord, do we understand the gospel of grace this morning? We say we received Jesus as Savior, but do we understand the gospel of grace? Lord, are there evidences that we are your children by how we show grace and mercy to others? Lord, if you took out the list of the sins we've committed against you, we'd be here for millennia. But do we forgive our brothers and sisters of their little sins? Lord, let our faith be demonstrated by our feet. Let our brothers and sisters know we are children of God and not children of the accuser because we show mercy and not seek after justice. Mercy is better. God, thank you for your mercy. Our nation needs mercy. This world needs mercy. Our nation does not deserve you to keep your hand over it for one second more. And it hasn't deserved your hand over it since its beginning. But you've been merciful to this country. And we have been faithless. Lord, let it not be the case in the church that we are faithless. Lord, let the revolution of mercy begin in this church. Lord, as we look around and we see our brothers and sisters, red and yellow, black and white, we point our finger to Jesus to show the world that racism can be overcome at the cross. We show the world that we are the recipients of a great gift and have the answer to the world's problems at the cross. Lord, let us see that it is our love for one another Red and yellow and black and white, old and young, rich and poor, rude and kind. It is that love for one another that is the greatest testimony that we belong to you. Let us be children of our Father. Your word says, be kind one to another just as God was kind to us in Christ Jesus. 
Lord, let Northwest Baptist Church be the example of mercy. Amen. I want to explain this passage. There's not much to it. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I want to define mercy, and I want to talk about its implications and its applications. That's it. I want to define it, I want to talk about its implications, and I want to talk about its applications. Every modern English translation interprets the Greek word here, eleios, as mercy. Every modern English translation translates the word mercy. Eleos, mercy. So for starters, we need to know what the word mercy then, in our own language, means in order to interpret what we believe the Bible is saying here. Oxford defines it this way. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown toward someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown toward someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. So in other words, Jesus is saying, blessed are those who show mercy when they could otherwise and in their own freedom and in their own right show harm or punishment. The word mercy implies that someone has done something wrong to us. They have done something injurious to us, and they didn't have a right to do it. That they did it and it was wrong. It was immoral. It was the wrong thing to do. And we have every single right to go to that person and hold them accountable for their evil. Maybe it's a boss. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a former friend. Maybe it's a government. Maybe it's a country who's done evil. But mercy says this. I will be compassionate and forego my right for justice. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Who are the recipients of mercy then? Those who deserve punishment or harm. In your life, they might have different names. But those are always the recipients of mercy. Those who receive forgiveness when they should otherwise receive harm. But the question then becomes, who are the givers of mercy? Satan's name, Satan is given his name in the Old Testament, and his name just means accuser. Just means the one who comes and points out your flaws and shows you all the wrong things you do. 
It's what happens in some of our marriages. Our one spouse to the other spouse begins to point out all of the things you do that are wrong. And guess what? They're right. You do leave the toilet seat up or down. I don't know which one it is, women. I don't know. Thank God only Stephanie has to deal with it. I just don't even go to the bathroom anymore. I just hold it until I get to church. But she would be right, and I would be right in pointing out her flaws. But the ones who show the mercy, the givers of mercy, should not look like Satan, the accuser, but rather their father who is plenty us in mercy. Remember, these Beatitudes are for people of the kingdom. They are not generic sayings for non-believers, but they are for everyone who has pledged to be a follower of Jesus Christ. What does it matter if you made a faith commitment 10 years ago if you're not living by these Beatitudes? Do you show mercy in your life? You demonstrate that you understand the gospel by how much mercy is in your own life. John Stott said that this is the greatest act, the greatest demonstration and greatest evidence that a Christian can give that they understand the gospel is that they show mercy to those who deserve harm and punishment. The givers of mercy then are those who understand the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Does it stop there? You see, if I was up here asking you to forgive others, and that's it. If I was up here asking you to just go and show mercy without justice, and you didn't have a better knowledge of the God you serve, it would be an unfair thing to ask of you, because justice is fairness. It means the scales are now even. That's justice. And so if I was up here asking you, just go and be gracious and merciful, and that was it, you would say, just like every American would say, I want justice. They harm me, I want to pay them back. But I'm talking to believers who know that the verse doesn't end there. The verse says, be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Turning your Bibles to Matthew 18, 21. I turn on the evening news or Click on the internet, and all I see is more unforgiveness. Everybody out. More unforgiveness. And I think to myself, the only way you're going to solve this is that we begin to show. Somebody just says, I'm just going to show mercy. You don't deserve it. You can't pay back the debt. 
It's done. There's no amount of, there are no amount of money, there's not an amount of money in reparations you can pay back for the evil atrocity of slavery. We don't have enough years, we don't have enough money, and there's not enough ounces of blood in our body. You can't pay it back. The contradiction of justice is when a serial killer gives his life for the 32 people that he had slain. That's not justice. He can't give it back. He took 32s, but he's only got one life to give. There's no equality there. The pain is done, man. You ask most families who are involved in a situation like that, they don't want justice. They want their family member back. And they're never getting it back. So justice, it's a false gift. You're never going to get it back. Jesus explains to Peter that in his people should always seek reconciliation over revenge. And he gives them a standard of how brothers should treat one another. If your brother sins against you, go to him in private. And if he listens to you, you've won your brother. If he doesn't listen to you, take a couple more brothers along. And, and if he listens to them, you've won your brother and the, it stops there. And if he doesn't listen to them, then you take the whole entire church and they gently, those who are spiritual, Ephesians 6.2, they gently reconcile that brother back into the church. They don't, they don't heap guilt on him. They gently, cooingly bring him back into the church. Brother, I love you. Brother, repent of your sin, please. Don't you see sin is like a cancer? If you don't cut it out, it'll destroy you. Till finally Jesus says, if they don't even listen to the church, treat him as a non-believer. You see, mercy is the opposite of justice, but it's not the opposite of discipline. Here's what Peter says in response to Jesus. Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 70 times seven. Scholars debate whether or not Jesus says 70 times 7, and he's speaking about 490 times of forgiveness, or whether he's simply talking about 70 times. But the point is that you forgive always. It's not that you have the right, whether it's 70, to now hold that person accountable on the 71st time, or the 491st time, it's not that now you can hold them accountable. I can tell you if my parents held this literally, I wouldn't have been forgiven by the time I got through the eighth grade. And that's on the 490. Only way I can compare it is like a mother. My mother and father, there's nothing I could do. They'd still forgive me.
I seen him do it with my sister. What's better than forgiveness? There's nothing better than forgiveness. I sat there and I watched my father with tubes down his throat and as pale as that ceiling, minus the dirt. As pale as that ceiling, after a doctor had just come in and said, I don't think he's going to make it. And my sister say to him, I'm sorry. And my father say, that's all he could say was a head nod. What's better than forgiveness? It's the only thing you can give to a person. My sister knows, she knows what she did. But the greatest thing example of Jesus Christ that my father could ever show me was that he forgave. And it's the greatest thing you can do as a church. It's the greatest thing you can do as a human being. Forgive and people will see Jesus in you. And Peter asked this question and we all ask this question. Do you really mean this, Jesus? Do you really mean forgiveness? Do you really mean it? That's really what we're asking. That's what Peter's saying. You really mean this? I mean, some people do some pretty bad things, and they do a lot of really bad things, and they do a lot of things a lot of the time that are really bad. Do you really mean it, Jesus? And Jesus says this. Let me tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. The king is God, the servants is the world. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. 10,000 talents, I did the math yesterday, is equal to $150 billion today. It was 20 years. A talent was 20 years of work. Okay, so the point is, it is an astronomical amount of money. It is impossible to pay it back. The richest of the rich could not pay this back. He went to a servant, and this servant owned him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Some believe that the man here is Adam and all of his offspring and their sins. He ordered them to be sold and his wife and his children, all that they had, until the payment was made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. This is a crazy request. It is an impossible request. It says, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Now, what do we see here? 
Number one, that the person who's asking for forgiveness doesn't even understand what they are asking for. The man says, be patient until I pay you back. But if the debt is that astronomical, there's not enough time and money that he could ever pay the master back. He begins his religious life with God under false pretenses. I have time to pay the master back. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A denarii was a day's wage. Three months and this could have been paid back. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. At least this servant knows I can pay you back a hundred denarii. But the unmerciful servant, he'll never be able to pay him back. When his fellow servants saw what he, had, what he had done and had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. Jesus says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your debtors. In verse 614 of the same book, Jesus says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Someone will say, then I may earn God's forgiveness by how I forgive others. No, because in the parable we see that the man never understood God's forgiveness. The man came to the gospel and said, I'll still pay it back. Many Christians today are still living as if they can still pay back their debt and they have forgotten that they will never be able to pay off their debt. So I ask you this question. Do you show mercy or do you seek justice? Do you desire revenge over reconciliation? Do you desire hate over happiness? Who are the people in your life right now that need your mercy? I want you to think what weighs in the balance here. What weighs in the balance is this. Mercy is the greatest evidence that you are created in the image of the God who is plenteous in mercy. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 and 6. Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 and 6. 
It says that the Lord went before Moses and to the people and declared his name. Listen to what it says. The Lord descended in a cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. What is the name of the Lord? The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, that is Yahweh, Yahweh, a merciful God and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. We just sang with tears in our eyes as loud as we could sing, Great is thy faithfulness because we know that the name of God is mercy and grace and faithfulness then do you, believer, resemble that same mercy and faithfulness? Be gracious and forgive one another, just as Christ, God in Christ, has forgiven you. So many of us look more like the accuser than we do God. When we don't forgive. Who are the people in your life that need your mercy right now? Is it a former friend? Who's done something wrong to you? Is it, a, is it another church member? Is it a spouse? Is it a parent? Or is it a child? Is it a boss? Maybe it's a pastor. Is it an entire race of people? Is it a government? Is it a country? Is it your neighbor? Is it an enemy who hurts you? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive Mercy. You have an opportunity in your life to begin the healing process right now by simply forgiving. You ever cut your finger really deep? I mean really deep with like a razor blade, not a scrape or a scratch, but a really deep cut. First thing you begin to do is start the healing process, right? You go and you, you find out first whether or not Neosporin's going to do it. Neil's born going to liquid stitches because you don't want to go to the hospital. But boy, if that thing starts getting bad, if that thing starts getting affected, you're going to go to the hospital and you're going to get those stitches and you're going to get the antibiotics because you want to start the healing process, right? Then why in your spiritual and in your personal life do you allow those emotional wounds to fester? You know what? I'm preaching it. I know. Sometimes I know this is one of those times. I'm preaching it because it first got preached to me all week. And I saw where I had allowed wounds to fester. When you allow those wounds to fester, it turns into this awful, awful thing called bitterness. But you know the good news is? Unlike what happens with these infections, sometimes the infections get so bad, you got to cut the hand off. And the good news is you can start the healing process today. You 
have the power to say, I forgive you because you know the mercy you have received from God. God has given you this great emotion, this great feeling, this great knowledge that he has forgiven you of 10,000 talents. What is it for you to forgive the lesser debt? Let's pray.